Hello, and welcome to this edition of Secure Networks, the Index Packet Forensic Files, with your host, Michael Morris. This week's special guest is David Ellis, VP of Sales and Corporate Relations at Secure IQ Lab. David, welcome. Thank you for joining. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Well, first of all, Michael, thank you for having me on. It's great to be here today. Um, so my background is uh, a little bit interesting. Started out in chemistry and mathematics, and I uh, calibrated analytical equipment. Okay. And then uh, since my wife's Brazilian, we did what seemed like the right thing to do and moved <laughs> to Brazil for a year where I ended up teaching English. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Then our area got a little too dangerous to live in. So we moved back from Brazil to New Jersey and my oldest brother, who could sense the opportune moment, said you should move to Austin, Texas, where he lived. And he had given my wife enough propaganda over the past eight years to, for her to say we're moving to Texas. <laughs> and uh, once we got to Texas, he said, well, you should get into software sales because Austin's a place for that. And I got involved with a, a cybersecurity vendor company. And then the rest is history. Worked for them for a few years, then ended up at a testing lab, went back to the cybersecurity vendor, and now here I am at Secure IQ Lab. All right. So it's, it's been a fun, fun journey. I, I'd say the one common element of everything has been problem solving. I, I love that about cybersecurity, that you're solving big problems and you're, you're making a difference for the customer, for companies, and, and even for the nation. Uh, when you're working in cybersecurity. Well, David, in your background, well, incredibly diverse and a well-rounded uh, perspective, your your experience as, a, as at Secure IQ Lab and, and your testing experience in the security space is, is ideal for really what I'm wanting to get more insights for our viewers and listeners around, which is what is the definition from a security testing point of view? What is the definition of a successful security team and program? Well, no, no matter how you define a successful security team, one thing that's got to underpin everything is the ability to communicate effectively. Mm. So that's, that's both internally within the team as well as externally with other business units. Because no matter how good your team is, if you can't communicate with the other business units and collaborate with them, then you're not going to be effective as an organization or, or the security for the organization will not be as effective as it could be otherwise. Mm -hmm. But now getting into like defining actual success within a team, it, it gets back to measurable outcomes. Okay. You know, a team should be able to tie back, all of their investments to measurable outcomes. They need to focus on defining their key objectives okay. as a team, hand in hand with the business units that they're helping to protect. And so if, if they're taking a, a top-down approach mm -hmm. to security, you know, working from the, the business outcomes that they need to have, then I believe that they will be a successful team. And, and this is all going to then revolve around the, the people, the process, and, and yeah. then lastly, the tools. 
Yep. Well, and I, I asked this question in the context of, right, um, if, if you think about um, many, many people in the security, cybersecurity space now talk about it's, it's not if, but when you get uh, breached. Um, and so, you know, coming from a test lab mentality, uh, what are some metrics security teams should be looking at to quantify their security posture? If, if they know they're going to be breached at some point, how do they measure how good or how robust they are now? And if they want to improve to get to that next level. So in terms of improvement, you, you always have to have a baseline of some sort. Mm-hmm. So you need to define from the beginning, you know, what, what is, what does success look like? So that, that gets back to, you know, as a successful team, you're, you're working with the other units to define what success is. And then when you're going to go out and become successful, you're going to have to put that into, you know, let the, where the rubber hits the road, so to speak. So you, your metrics should always be in context to your organization's assets that you're trying to protect. Mm-hmm. And so when you're, when you're going about doing this, and once, once you understand what those assets are, then you want to understand what are the attack vectors you need to be careful about. Mm-hmm. What are you open to? What are your gaps? Uh, what are the common adversaries of your industry? And then also, who specifically are your adversaries that you need to be able to contend with? And so you, you develop metrics around these. Uh, for instance, like if, you, if you're doing, if you know who your adversaries are, like you can create metrics around, do you have playbooks in place for when you're being attacked by them. Yeah. Like it could be simple, like yes, no kind of metric, but that, that's a good way to start. Do you have playbooks in, in place to deal with their tactics, techniques, and, and, and processes that they're going to use against you? Um, do you? Do you have the ability to attribute, you know, assign attribution of the attacks so that then you can kick off these playbooks? So you can have all these different metrics where, you know, maybe it's, okay, you're looking at your, indicators of attack and indicators of compromise, how quickly can you attribute this to the right adversary? Yeah. So, so no, that's, that's a great way to answer that. So I, I guess in your work, right, you work with a lot of clients. What are you seeing as some of those most common gaps or vulnerabilities organizations are having? And obviously to your point, it varies by industry and things like that. But, but in your experience what, what are some of the big ones you're seeing so i mean you hear about oh another breach and misconfigurations in the cloud and so you'll hear a lot about misconfiguration but i, I think that's part of a, a bigger problem that we see which is the problem of the assumptions around security that there are a lot of assumptions for instance you're assuming that the default configuration is going to be one of security and not one that's open to enable business. You're assuming that the cloud provider is going to do X, Y, and Z for security. You're, you're assuming that these security tools are just going to lift and shift into the cloud, that these processes that we've used in traditional security uh, will work flawlessly in the cloud environment. And so 
there's there's a lot of assumptions essentially around that the old guard of people, process, and tools, how it's always been, is going to be how it's always going to be. And so these these assumptions need to be be looked at better because uh, they're they're causing a lot of breaches in terms of just assuming that the security is good without really looking at hey what's going on do we re do we need to revisit our processes do we need to look at hiring new people for you know as we move to the cloud no that that's a great point uh, you know assuming the old legacy tools support the new evolved infrastructure I and mean, that's i'm sure a common thing people don't always look at um taking that a step further right often from our perspective when we hear from people how they evaluate their corporate security robustness they often immediately jump to what tools do they have what layers in their security stack have they implemented um so for you what are some fundamental or table stakes in terms of tools and basics but then let's talk about some of those other areas you mentioned you know like people and processes, um, what are some other metrics they should really be looking at overall? So if, if someone's looking at what are the basic tools that they need, it needs to once again start, you know, go up the chain, go back up, go higher up in the conversation. What are you looking to accomplish? Because ordering tools before you know what you're trying to do it can end up with a lot of money spent, cycles spent, and then you end up with round pegs that you're trying to smash in the square holes. So in terms of, I can't say there's fundamental tools that every organization is gonna absolutely need, but what I can say is you should look at your people and process, you should look at your assets and what needs to be protected, what are the workflows that, that need to be protected, and, and look at, start from there, and then work out a strategy such that you then incorporate the right tools such that you can be successful, not just immediately now, but mm -hmm. in the following year, in the following three years, and, and in the next five years, without needing to have a radical uh, revamp of your architecture. Yeah. Just build out from a high-level strategy, and you're not going to be putting out as many fires. Okay. No, that's that's good insight. On the people and processes front, digging a little deeper, what do you see most organizations struggle with in that area? Is it is it training? Is it? I I think it's more the philosophy of dynamic versus static. Okay. That that technology is is extremely dynamic, and we're we're, we're living through this amazing time where we've witnessed pretty much the erosion of the, the perimeter. And people are struggling, organizations are struggling that have had this mentality of checkbox security or the set and forget kind of security mentality where it's, it's basically a static or quasi-static approach to security where it's just like, I just have to deal with it now and then I'll come back for the next audit and deal with it again. But because of how rapidly everything is advancing mm -hmm. as we're moving into the cloud and as the parameters is just vanishing, you have to take a dynamic approach where you have to, it, it's your business. You got to be in that every day. Mm -hmm. 
And, and so when, when organizations have a very historically static approach to security that they will not change and they don't want to change and everything, uh, that's, that's where we're seeing a lot of struggles okay. because it, it's like you're trying to push a dinosaur into the, the modern era. Well, they are, they're always trying to bring back dinosaurs, right? We, we know that for sure. <laughs> um, so as a security test lab, are there frameworks or standards that you recommend SecOps teams adopt or at least review to start with, uh, you know, kind of as, as a grounding point? Uh, yes. Yes. We, uh, we're a big proponent of the frameworks and standards that are already made. We don't need to reinvent the wheel all the time. Right. Okay. Um, you know, one, one thing that we like to encourage organizations to do first is, uh, are you in a regulated space? What are the regulations you need to follow? That's where you should start. Okay. And um, then we are big fans of NIST, that it's it's so globally applicable that if mm-hmm. you're looking to it for guidance, um, usually if you have one of these niche compliance regulations that you have, uh, you'll, you'll be doing pretty well if you're already looking to NIST for you know, security guidance and, and, and ideas. Uh, we're, we really like standards and frameworks. I mean, like our, our testing organization, we, we work with the anti-malware testing standards organization to make sure that you know, it's, it's not the wild, wild west with, with testing. All right, um, okay. We look at frameworks somewhat like a constitution or a build rights. You know, with them, there's less chaos. Yeah. And in chaos with cybersecurity, unfortunately, uh, that is opportunity for the bad guys. Yeah. Okay. Well, you mentioned a couple there, and then in terms of NIST and and the other framework, um, MITRE. Do you do you guys outline that or components of that for organizations? Yeah, we 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 look to MITRE as well. Okay. So um, a lot of the attacks we do, we're we're looking to map those to MITRE because we feel that it's it's a good organization. They they provide really good insight into, you know, like the MITRE attack framework. Yep. Um, We've, uh, I'd show you a screensaver, but uh, (laughs) maybe some other time. Yeah. Framework there. No, and and anybody who's reviewed through it knows the extensiveness and complexity of it. So, so David, tell us a little bit for somebody, you know, looking at, at, you know, getting somebody like you all or, you know, a different firm to, to do a security audit or an assessment, you know, give us some insights of where you start and, and kind of where it goes from there. You know, if, if I hire you to audit my corporation, what, what does it look like and what, what can I expect and what should I be hoping to gain out of it? So once again, it depends on what's, what are you trying to do, right? What's, okay. What are you trying to do security-wise? That's where we start. Like, what, is okay. your, what is your ultimate goal? What's, what are the business drivers? And so once we understand that, we can then start providing a direction into how to then be successful and immediately in the, the next year, next three years, next five years. So mm-hmm. it, it's about us understanding the problem and then being able to provide solution from there. For, for instance, um, 
you know, most recently we were presented a challenge from an institutional investment firm that makes global investments. And they came to us with a SaaS application platform that they'd already completed a black box testing on and compliance audit for, but they wanted to understand the who, what, when, where, how, like who is gonna be accessing the technology from where and et cetera. You know, these kinds of questions were critical for them in the context of their workflow so that they could better understand the holes or, or the gaps in their application for us to then help them patch those holes okay. as well as help figure out the proper architecture as they expand this globally. So it doesn't necessarily have to be just, oh, our organization needs security, but it's like, what is your organization trying to do? If it is an application, yes, we can also help with that. Okay. But it goes back to what's, what's the top level problem? And now we'll, we'll start working down from there towards a solution. No, that, that's a great answer. And then I've heard it repeatedly now of, you know, just assess what you're trying to protect, first of all, right? And then then go from there. So that's, uh, that's absolutely consistent. So David, looking forward, right? Asking you to be a little bit of a security weather forecaster, shall we say, uh, you know, what's, what's one thing you, you really recommend our viewers and listeners to look out for or think about in terms of their security posture um, over the next six to 18 months? And I know 18 months is an eternity in cybersecurity space, but uh, you know, what, what are some things on the horizon that you deem really important for organizations to be considering or evaluating or concerned about? So before I go into my cybersecurity answer, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to step back a little bit and put on my, my uh, judo jujitsu hat. You know, okay. I've, I've been doing this, I've been doing this from my tween age years. I'm not going to say how long that's been. I'll okay. just say it's been more than a decade. And what, what I've seen in training people for all these years and from competing myself internationally it's that the, the fundamentals are always valid. And so if you're approaching the problem with the right fundamentals in how you, you're, you're taking the approach and your strategy to the approach, then you're most likely to have a successful outcome. Okay. And in order for organizations to have a successful outcome with their security as you know, the cyber world goes to hell in a handbasket with just the, the number of advanced adversaries that are just running amok right now. It's, it's not a battle of cyber versus network security. That this is a battle of fundamentally how we look at cybersecurity. Traditionally, when people think of cybersecurity, they think of tools. But Tools without the right set of people and processes in place are, are nearly useless, it, and especially if they're not tied in with a, a business narrative. So what I would encourage this security enthusiast, especially executives to do, is to not draw the battle lines in the battlefield of cybersecurity, but to draw them in 
their boardrooms. That you need to engage the board around what is important for them and take a top-down approach to security. And, and the more that you start at the top for your cybersecurity and your risk management, the more likely your organization is to have a successful outcome with the, your approach to security. Oh, that's a, that's a great answer. And uh, a common theme I've been hearing is uh, security is everyone, corporate security is everyone's problem, not, not just the CISO. So David, thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your busy schedule to join us and share your insights in how to better secure networks. We'd ask our tuner, listeners to tune in next time for another edition of the Endace Packet Forensic Files. For more information about Endace's network packet capture platform and our integrations with our Fusion Technology partners and our partners like Secure IQ Labs, please go to endace.com. David, again, thanks for taking some time. Thanks for sharing your insights. Have a great rest of your day. It's been a pleasure, Michael. Thank you.